Welcome to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we are talking about kitchen equipment today because... One of my favorite conversations. Oh, I know. Yeah, you I'm are... so excited. I love kitchen equipment. I like it <laughs> and I find it very useful, but I don't have like a deep love I love it. It's so yeah. exciting. Uh, just give me a, a new knife or a new tool or a new pot. And it's the best ever, best day. I mean, I, I enjoy them, but I mean, all of my feelings of like <laughs> childhood boy towards like sporting equipment and and mm -hmm. teams and ball sports, I think all of those are wrapped up in your feelings about <laughs> anything to work in the kitchen. <laughs> like, oh my God, this peeler. Oh, I love peelers. Exactly. And look, look how many exactly. Parisian scoops I have. It's like every time I go to France, I have to go to De Laurent, which is a great cooking shop in Paris. And I have to get like six more of those really, really tiny little Parisian <laughs> scoops because you know something it, might happen to one. And so because I have you to have, have six them. hands. Exactly. It's just so exciting. And I, you know, so where do we start, Tony? Because it's, well, you know, there are like a million categories. I mean, pans and knives and, all right, so let, and let's, little let's, tools. Let's 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 break about. it up into different groups, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's let's talk about what the people hurt themselves with all the time: cutting boards and knives. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think those those are big important topics. Yeah. Well, I was and, and I how can... how to handle each. Sure. And sharpening and all that kind of business. So well, just quickly, I think cutting boards we can handle pretty quickly, which is do not ever buy one of those glass ones like my mother has in the corner by her dishwasher. I mean, those are the most dangerous things. I'm like, whoever came, I hope they don't even make them anymore. I'm assuming she has hers for the last 40 years. But um, what you want is a very, very good wood cutting board made out of good material that will last a long time if you take care of it, which means that you don't store it damp you let it dry very, very well. I usually just, I usually just wash mine with soap and water. I rinse it very, very well because you have to think about the fact that you have just created grooves in that piece of wood with your knife, hopefully a very sharp knife, and you want to make sure that is very clean. And then I just sit it up. I'll either lean it against my wall by my stove or wherever. But you know, you really want your wood board to air out if you're putting it then in a drawer. Um, and the other thing is any board, even if you're using polyurethane ones that we also use at the restaurant, um, any board you want to put either wet paper towels underneath it, or you can use a wet kitchen towel underneath it, but you want it to, um, adhere to the surface on which it's sitting so that yeah, it will not slip and move while you are chopping on it. Yeah. The, the board being slick and the board moving. Or Very like dangerous. number one and number two. Exactly. How you go to the emergency room. Right. So uh, the polyurethane boards, just think about the fact that you're going to have to replace those probably at home, I'd say maybe every two or three years, depending on how much you do cook, um, because they're just going to get too much wear. They're going to get too many grooves in and um, never, ever put something hot on a cutting board. The cutting board is only for food product and your knife. So, you know, one of the first things I tell a cook when I hire them is we have long cutting boards on some of our prep tables. And because they come, you know, the garbage station where we serve cold food, that entire unit is covered with a cutting board. I, I have to tell them immediately, never, ever put anything, a hot pan or actually any pan 
or anything on there other than food and your knife and towels. So um, those are the you most get important. Those, you get those nice burned rings in the. Oh my God, that's just disgusting. It's horrifying. Well, board. that's one of the reasons why I have stainless steel counters in my kitchen at home. So when I design my home kitchen, the countertops on either side of my stove are stainless steel. And then my center island is marble because I wanted something that was pretty. Um, and I don't need stainless steel everywhere, but it's awfully nice to be able to come off of that hot stove and go right onto a stainless steel countertop and not have to worry about anything. No, I'm sorry. Who who did you get the idea for the stainless steel counters at home from? I not you. No. Are you kidding me? I thought you <laughs> you, you you came into my house and you saw the kitchen and you're all jazzed uh, about. Oh well, yeah. The I mean, I think counters. it's great that you do that, but I mean, obviously, it's from work. Good try, though, Tony. Yeah. Oh, come on. Come on, Tony. Come on. <laughs> come on. But anyway, so the other thing is, is I have separate boards for cheese. Um, and I only use them for cheese. So if it's, if it's a situation where I'm having guests over, um, I'll use a long wood board that I can put several different cheeses on. And I just know that that's the only thing I'm ever going to use that for. I, I guess it's more of a sanitation issue for me. Um, I, I feel strongly that, 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 you know, that's just the safest way to deal with cheese. So that might be the only other board you would buy is something specifically for meats or cheeses that you want to serve. Yeah, you know, we keep we keep one board that's only for cutting um, raw, like snacky vegetables and fruit for the girls on. That's good. Um, be, so that you know, and then no onion product goes on there. Mm -hmm. uh, no, you know, cooked food product goes on there. It's always just you know apples or strawberries or mm -hmm. cucumbers or sweet peppers, that kind of stuff that that those girls will eat buckets of. One thing about a wood board too, you, you do need to uh, keep it oiled down so that it has a long life and um, you can buy special oils for your boards. Um, though most of the manufacturers will have their own oil, so it's easy to find. Let's move to knives. So okay. I, I'm going to ask you two important questions. How many knives do you have now, right now? I, All types of knives. Okay, so you have to realize that I, I will give... I will get, I have 25 knives right now. Um, I will give my knives away to my cooks. I do it all the time. And I did that for years and years and years because I know they need knives. And I may see a knife that I'm like, oh, I really want to get that one, but I really don't need it. So I'll just give it, give my knife to my cooks. And they benefit and are thankful because my knives can cost anywhere up to $900. Um, so, uh, they benefit and then I get to get a new knife and it is one so of, you, obviously one of my most important and favorite tools. So how many knives do you think a person needs? Five. And at home. Okay. So also what, what, the thing what are, what are is, is that I, half of my knives are at my house and half of those 25 knives are at work. Yeah. So that's part of it. You know, obviously I have two locations where I'm cooking. So, um, you have, you really should have a serrated offset bread knife, a really good one. Um, offset just makes it easier to slice. You can also use that knife for a lot of other things. Um, and, uh, Sean makes an incredible offset serrated knife. And that's what I buy for, uh, my guys to slice the bread for service. Um, you need a paring knife, a boning knife, a chef's knife, and preferably two sizes. And usually what we call a utility knife, which is nice to have. It's a smaller, shorter, longer uh, sort of in between, I should say, size blade. Uh, it's great for slicing tomatoes, um, doing little work 
um, but it's like a, it's a knife that's in between the size of your chef and the, the size of a paring knife. And the only other thing I would say, if you do do a lot of meat butchery, um, the scimitar blade is if you're, you know, you're trying to portion New York strips or prime rib, you know, really big pieces of meat. A scimitar blade has a curved edge. It's a very long knife. It's a heavy duty knife. It's, it's a strong knife. It's for big jobs. And um, so if, if that, that is probably the least important knife, unless you do a lot of, you know, like I said, butchery like that or portioning or in a slicing knife, you can, you know, remove the skin from a fish. You can slice smoked salmon. You can slice anything, a piece of meat. Um, you know, so those blades also, um, the importance of whether or not it's scalloped or not, it is helpful to have a slicing knife with a scalloped edge. Some of those, I guess I think of as pretty specialty. Um, when I was thinking about the question myself, I was thinking, what do you really need? You need a chef's knife that is comfortable and sharp. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what was always called the French knife when, mm-hmm. when uh, I was a kid or when we were kids. And you use what, an eight-inch knife? I do. I have an yeah. eight-inch. And, and, and the guys made me a nine-and-a-half-inch knife recently, which I now use at, at the restaurant for predominantly for big pieces of meat and or big pieces of cheese for the cheese cart. Yeah. As you know, I have a propensity towards larger knives. The chef's knife I use the most is a 10, but probably I mean, one that I always used to use was, you know, what was it, 34 centimeters or something like that, which is kind of gigantic, but that also, that saved mm-hmm. me from really needing uh, a scimitar or, a, you know, it was heavy enough. Mm-hmm. Just giant old German knife, you know, heavy enough yeah. to, uh, to to go through bones and that sort of thing. Well, and I think that's a really the main reason you would need a cleaver is if you are working with whole animals, which, I mean, I'm sure some people at home are doing that. Um, I know that the man that had the farm across the street from my farm, people used to come and, you know, would buy his lamb. So, I mean, you need a serious knife if you're going to be breaking down a whole lamb. So, uh, you know, that's really what a cleaver is for, as you say, bones. Um, or cutting through bone, um, or breaking bones up, you need a serious cleaver for that, which is what mine is. I love that thing. And I found, you You mentioned Shun. So I always had a like a big, long bread knife, uh, an offset one, as you mentioned. But at home, I end up, like, you don't cut giant loaves of things. You don't need the, you know, like 10 or 12-inch mm-hmm. blade of, of one of those knives, but I end up cutting a lot of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And instead of having a small serrated knife or sort of utility knife, like you mentioned, I found Shun makes something that looks almost like a paddle. I don't know if you've seen these, mm-hmm. that it, it, it's almost like the shape of a paddle um, that has okay. a serrated edge. That is fantastic. Oh, tomato I know knife. what you're talking about. Yeah, but I have seen those, that. At, those things are I great. I think I've seen that at the store. And okay. I think yeah. I've used that. At home, it's funny. I end up using a chef's knife, that particular paddle, and a, a paring knife probably 95% of the time. Well, tomatoes are your test of sharpness of your blade uh, because yeah, a ripe tomato uh, is impossible to slice with a dull knife. And um, so, you know, if you have a serrated knife, you're always going to have something that you can slice, you know, yeah, slice to, a tomato to, with. To, to, tomatoes and fish. Yeah. Uncooked fish. You know, we try well, and the other thing we... 
the other thing we need to talk about is what the knife is made of. Is it stainless steel or is it carbon steel? And the difference between carbon and stainless is carbon is made from iron and carbon. And stainless has chromium added to the metals, those two metals. And stainless is what it means. The blade will not rust or stain. It will always be beautiful. Uh, but it's a softer steel once you add the chromium to the iron and the carbon. So it will not hold an, an edge as well or as long. So that's, I think, I think one of the things with carbon steel knives is they become discolored, um, which is probably why they invented stainless steel knives. And if you, and they will just get what's called a patina on them. And I love the patina on my knives. All of my, all of my blood root blade knives are carbon steel. And um, I can get an incredibly sharp edge on those knives and very quickly. It doesn't take much sharpening um, to do that, and it holds that edge longer, and I can then hone. Okay, please understand that what a steel is for is to hone your knife, which means to take any little burrs, any little imperfections that might occur from handling food product with that knife. You know, maybe you did hit a bone on a chicken leg, and it might have put a tiny little burr on the edge of your knife. Um, that's what a steel is for. Um, it, it, it may be called a sharpening steel, but really it will only put a fine, a really fine edge on a knife. It's not, a, you need a stone to truly sharpen your knife. Um, but, but, and, and you should hone your knife, um, especially if you've done, if like if you're working for hours, um, maybe you're doing a big job, you're having a party, you know, you're really using your chef's knife, especially a lot, um, or you're about to, you know, fillet a fish and you absolutely need a sharp knife, or you need that great edge to slice a tomato, you know, hit it on the steel a couple of times, maybe four or five, six times, and you want that blade to be at the right edge uh, on there, um, and you want to keep it at the same, the same angle edge on both sides uh, so that it, it hones evenly. I will say, if you're going to sharpen, you know, if you're going to have great knives, you need to learn how to sharpen them. You might as well just look at videos online. It's the easiest way. We can talk yeah. about it, but it's, it's, you should watch someone and you should watch how the knife that you bought is sharpened. Um, so, yeah, I have like f three different stones, three different gauges. Um, and, uh, you know, those, I use mine with water. So I soak them in water for 30 minutes and then... I pull them out, put them on a wet towel, and I uh, uh, sharpen my knife with water. You can also use oil. Uh, it's a special oil for the stone, but I prefer water. Hey, Cindy, one last uh, basics question. Um, do you have oven mitts at home, or do you just like to use, you know, <laughs> no. just uh, seriously, like heavy towels, kitchen towels? Right. Uh, if I don't have oven mitts, um, if I did, it would be because my sister bought them for me and she wanted them to be here when she came to my house because that's what she's used to using, which I totally understand, as did my mother. But because I'm a professional chef, we use kitchen towel, what we call kitchen towels at work. We use them to, we use them where they're either dry or they're wet, wet to clean surfaces, dry, always dry for a hot pan. So, um, we, we fold it into a square and that's how we work with it on a hot pan. We can grab a handle with that. We can pull things out of the oven with two, one in each hand. Um, and they're just hundred percent cotton terry cloth towels that our linen company buys by the, you know, hundreds and, um, they clean for us. So that's also what I put underneath my cutting board. Um, some of the cooks will put paper towels, 
it's I can I can never decide which is worse. Do we waste the cost of the the linen towel, or do we waste the you know environment by using paper that we're throwing into the trash can? But you know either e- way, e- ecologically, ecologically, we're better off using the towels. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, when we come back in the next segment, maybe I'll I'll let you know what kind of oven mitts I'm going to buy you for your birthday. <laughs> on formidable fun food online on WIPR. Welcome back to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're digging deep into kitchen equipment today. We've had some <laughs> questions recently on live programs and, mm-hmm. you know, we've just gone on and on and on about knives and cutting boards and that sort of thing. And so here we are. Let, let's get into the meat of it. Uh, pots and pans, which... Yes. yes. That may bore somebody, but it's not going to bore us. Oh, and if no. you like to cook at all, mm-hmm. yeah, it's super okay. interesting. And and I'm curious to hear from listeners, what is your favorite all-time pot or pan mm-hmm. and why? Mm-hmm. You can email us, formanwolf at wypr.org, and we'll have to read through responses on a live program in the future. Or a story of something awful to cook with that you were gifted that you then had to demonstrate your cooking with when that person came to your home. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And you and I have some different feelings about uh, pots and pans and materials and sure what what one does. Well, there's a lot of choices, so that's you know, it, it, in the end, it's like knives. Everything that you use in the kitchen is what you're comfortable with, what you're successful with, because that's what we want. We want you to be successful. We want you to enjoy cooking and to make food that turns out the way you hope it will. And that requires equipment. And if you're good at using a, you know, a cast iron pan, then use a cast iron pan. If you prefer a stainless steel pan or a steel pan or a copper pan, then that's what you should use if you can afford it. I mean, that's also what it comes down to is a lot of the um, pans cost a lot of money, but they'll also last for generations if you take care of them. So I have pans right here in my kitchen that are 150, 200 years old. They were hand forged by a blacksmith. And, um, you know, that's amazing to me that they could be that old and still be usable. And so it just shows you that it can be a good investment. So with copper, we start with copper because copper is the best conductor of heat. And what that means to you is that it warms quickly and it stays warm and it cools down quickly. And it also has an even distribution of heat, which translates into a uniform cooking of food. And so a copper pan is going to make you as successful as you can be. And they are, of course, the most expensive pans. I strongly suggest getting copper pans that are lined with stainless steel. Um, They have to be lined because copper in the end, once it's heated and interacts with food product can be poison or not can be is poisonous. So they have to be lined unless you're doing egg whites, you will see the rounded pots with the copper handle, all copper egg whites. I'm not sure what the scientific reason is, but they do not react with copper. So you can use 
an online pan for that, but I don't believe anybody at home is working with enough egg whites to support that. We use them at the restaurant. The other question about a copper pan is, should you get the brass handle? Should you get the stainless steel handle? Or should you get the iron handle? I prefer an iron handle. I, th I think Agreed. the brass handles are, are definitely not. Yeah, so iron handle, um, stainless steel lined. And Moviel is a French producer. That's what, you know, you got me when we opened Charleston. I had like 30 of their copper pans that we still use uh, to this day in all different shapes. Um, uh, and Moviel is a great producer of copper pans. There are other producers, but, you know, if I was going to do it, I'd just, I'd go straight to Moviel. I mean, they do excellent stainless steel as well. Exactly. Um, they're, 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 great... they're things you want stainless for, so. Right. So then the next choice is stainless steel pans. And, you know, if, if I had never tried a Heston pan, I would just now be sitting here talking about all clad. We've been using all clad since probably about six months after we opened the restaurant. We opened with a little bit of all clad and a little bit of aluminum pans because it was sort of like half and half because of the price. I mean, we already It's also kind of what everybody all. had. Mm -hmm. You know, when, then, you, when you come from other people's restaurants, they don't always have, <laughs> especially oh, at that yeah, time, no. the equipment yeah, that you hope for. Right. Well, and, and, and the kitchens, I know I noticed over my time working for other people or working with other people um, that uh, there was this habit back in the like 80s and early 90s of just putting pans on the back of the stove with like six stacked and the burner on high. And I mean, that is to me, I call that cowboy cooking. That is like wham, bam, slamming out the food. That is not the way you cook. And also, if you do that to an all-clad pan, put a dry all-clad pan on a direct heat burner for a period of time, it will ruin the pan. It is, a, it is layers of different metal, and all those layers will burst apart, and you will have a totally ruined pan. So um, I don't believe anybody would do that at home anyway, but the thing that could happen is that you put a pan on, let's say you put it on on high heat and something happens in your home and you, you know, let's say your child is crying or something and you have to leave the kitchen and you forgot that you left that pan on, you, you could ruin your pan that way, but it would have to take, you know, like an hour or something. Um, so hopefully that wouldn't happen. But Upclad produces different um, combinations of metal pans and different degrees of quality, quite frankly. So my favorite all clad is the copper core. And it is again, their most one of their most expensive lines, but it does have a copper core, as it says, and you can see the ring around the outside of the pan when it's new um, of copper that indicates that's that line. And those pans are heavy duty, they're incredible, and they will last forever if you take care of them. And you had mentioned Heston before and those are, those are kind of wild. That's a whole new yeah. It's the difference between 3D chess and chess, right? Right. Heston pans. If if I could, if I had to go build a new restaurant and I could have whatever pans I wanted, I would get all Heston pans um, and copper. I would have copper pots, some copper pans, um, and I would definitely have Borgio for my big, big, big stainless steel pots for stock and et cetera. But all of my saute pans that we do a la minute cooking in would be Heston, and it's the nano bond. I think it's the funniest word in the world. And um, I don't, you know, it's, I believe that nano bond is made out of titanium. I don't know if it's all titanium, but I will tell you, man, that, that cooking surface is slick. If you take good care of it, never ever use an SOS 
Well, let me say, what an SOS pad is, is made out of metal. You don't want to put metal on metal. Metal on metal scratches metal and ruins the cooking surface that you have worked years to create or even weeks to create. So you, you want to use like a green pad and you want to be careful using a green pad. You want to try not to scratch. Um, so that way, I don't know what green pads are made out of, but obviously it's not metal. And um, if you can clean a pan with a towel and soap and hot water, that's the best way because then you won't be scratching that surface at all. And with a nanobond, they're really easy to clean and they are the most incredible conductor of heat and they're nice and heavy duty and it doesn't react with acid like there's acid in cream, you know, all these things that you worry about with an aluminum pan, which does react with acid. Um, you know, these pans are just, I'm in love with them. I think they're incredible. That's Heston. So yeah. what about, I think the, the best uh, performance for price pans might be uh, those, the old school black French steel pans. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, those, those are their... not much money. No. They last they're... forever. Yeah. Imminently scrubbable. <laughs> right. Definitely. Yeah. You can use metal on that. <laughs> those things are indestructible. I mean, like you could hit that against the side of your house and you're probably not even going to dent it. Yeah, you can use a fire them on that. Yeah, it, those things are great for searing things. That's to me what a, what a steel pan is for. And um, the maintenance on those pans, once you've, and that's what, when you buy an, a steel pan in order to season it, that's when you put a neutral oil like canola or, um, or corn oil and kosher salt and you rub the bottom of the pan with that and you wipe it out and you put it in the oven and you, you and if you repeat it once then uh, you will have a good start to a very slick nice surface that will feel like a Teflon I mean that will act like a Teflon pan because it will be you know and, and then you can just crank that thing up and really get a beautiful sear on a fish with skin or a piece of you know an eight ounce piece of beef tenderloin or maybe you want to sear some you know uh, pork belly and get a nice beautiful brown crust on the outside I mean those pans are inexpensive and awesome but what you can't do is a cream sauce in there or anything that's you know fine that's purely like a searing and heating yeah and and that's it kind of a pan but they perform like crazy yeah what's what we use to sear foie gras in too and so all we sear all of our fish we sear our scallops and in steel pans and we um, sear our foie gras in there and if we have to make if we want to make a pan sauce we cannot use those pans because you just can't, it's not what it's for. The, the sauce will be dirty. That's the only way I can think to so say it. We yeah. talked about materials. I guess the other major one is the, is in, and you see lots of versions of them, whether they're stove or cruze, the ceramic lined uh, iron mm -hmm. pans, you know, that come in various decorative colors. Those are pretty darn useful pans. There if you, if you got to have one big general use pan for, you know, finishing a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that th those are very good to have around. Yeah. But it's like if I was trying to, like, what do you actually need? You, you need as you know, you need different sizes of saucepans. You need a stock pot mm -hmm. of some sort. Mm -hmm. You need sauté pans that you like, whether it's stainless or or uh, Heston New Age business or, and probably something to sear in, and you're pretty covered at that point uh, sizes are important so i mean sizes for home are a little different from restaurants so mostly they make sautés in sevens 
And what, either Nine. 10s, 11s? 12, yeah. So if, you know, like if you're scrambling an egg for yourself, you need a seven inch saute. If you're doing it for two or four people, you need a, a nine inch. So really those are the two most useful to me. And it just also depends on how many people live in your house. So if you have a lot of people in your house, you're gonna need larger saute pans. Um, if you wanna cook off like six or eight chicken breasts, you need a pretty good size pan. Um, because we do talk about how you shouldn't be overcrowding your pan. And the opposite, you can't do a scrambled egg for one person with two eggs in a nine inch saute pan. It's just too much surface area. Uh, the gig's going to cook too quickly and be ruined. Um, so you need those two sizes at least, and then probably a larger saute. And then you need, as you said, um, you know, like maybe a quart and maybe a four quart and, you know, something you can cook pasta, boil a lot of water for green vegetables, boil a lot of water for pasta and your stock and so something to braise in. The, the pasta solution, I have it, and I kind of stumbled on it. Good. So all clad makes, and I've, bought it years ago it looks like a a very tall saute pan it's maybe five six inches tall uh, it's probably 11 12 inches in diameter and it has of course it has a lid and it has a basket insert oh fun That's and nice. so for blanching vegetables or especially for pasta the girls see that pot come out <laughs> they know Dad is cooking dinner, and they're gonna like it. That's fun. Good. <laughs> you know that's that, but that that thing is incredibly useful. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's it's nice to have the colander built in. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's and that's an easily replaceable piece. When time I've already replaced it twice. So one of the other things you want to think about is: Do you want a slope sided pan or a straight sided pan? And slope sided allows steam to escape better, faster, easier, quicker. And steam So you is, reduce more quickly. Yeah, and steam is also the enemy of browning. So I can I can saute onions in a slope-sided pan versus a straight-sided pan and the onion will brown much quicker in a slope-sided pan. Uh, or if you go from a saute pan to a pot, the difference in trying to caramelize the onions is huge because you're really trapping in the steam in a big pot with tall sides. So it's, it's kind of an interesting point. Um, if you, one of the things about cooking mushrooms is you want to work out that water content and then you really want them to caramelize a little bit because that's what gives you a great texture. So if you work a lot with mushrooms, you definitely want a slope sided, um, uh, saute pan. I think one of the, one of the basic questions that everyone probably has is what, how thick should pans be when you say heavy, what does that mean? If if you don't if if you don't think ooh this is heavy <laughs> it's not right. if it's light and easy it you're it's not going heavy. to get a good sear it's not going to be you you need something that's big enough to conduct enough heat to actually work on whatever it is you're putting inside of it mm -hmm. or on it you know that that's kind of that's you it's a straight physics situation mm -hmm. you know if you're if you're boiling water in a in a pot that's slightly bigger than the asparagus you're dropping in there, it's going to take too long to get it to a boil. Right. And you're going to end up, by the time it actually is cooked at all, it's going to be mushy and worthless. Right. If you have a giant pot going that with well-salted water mm -hmm. and your asparagus is in there for a minute. Right. It's a big you difference. Know, you, it, oh, my gosh. It's, you have it's to huge. do the work to cook. 
In order to cook well, you have to do the work, which means getting out a big pot and filling it with a lot of water and putting a lot of salt in it and having your ice bath ready to go for a green vegetable so that you cook it properly, you retain the vitamins and all the things that are wonderful for our health, as well as the color, as well as the texture. Just do it. You know, that's, so, that's it. And now, Cindy, everyone knows your secret to having uh, all the muscles are those heavy pans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, those copper pans, yeah. oof, especially if they're full. Oh, they you know, heavy. I have that one that's a monster that mm -hmm. you can cook, you know, an entire rib in. Yeah. Oh, that, and that's, that's another. That's got to be sixty pounds. And if you aren't like strong, um, that's that's a good reason to buy a pan that has two handles on it. Quite frankly, and they're a heck yeah. of a lot easier to work with, um, especially a big pan like what you're talking about. If it has, you know, oftentimes they'll have the long handle on one side and a little handle on the other. Those pans mm -hmm. with the two handles really make a difference for people to handle them. Yeah, I mean the one I have to eat my wheaties just to cook with that thing. <laughs> When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, we're going to get into hand tools and all the mm -hmm. little toys and goodies that uh, uh, make Cindy so excited working with in the kitchen on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WIPR. Welcome back to Formidable Fun Food and Wine. This is Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're digging into equipment today. Pots and pans and cutting boards and knives and It's such a fun and topic. Now, yes. Yeah, it's all it's all the little goodies now. What are what are your top five favorite little things, small things, or little trick things that help you get good results? What do you think? I think, I think cutters are something that maybe people at home don't, you know, they overlook. Um, you can buy cutter sets, which means they graduate like from little cutters. guys. They graduate circles, fluted, and square is what I would suggest. Um, and definitely, if you can only buy one, get circles. So you'll get a set. There's usually about 12. They start from the littlest to the biggest. And... Um, and they're nested in there. They don't take up a lot of room in your ca cabinet, so that's nice. And um, you can use them. They're c w because you're buying cutters, uh, you can use them to cut things out. So let's say you want to make puff pastry circles because you're doing little hors d'oeuvres, or uh, you want to cut out uh, bread to make toast, uh, brioche toast, or something like that. Um, or you want to anything you want to cut, basically, to make it look uniform, make it look prettier. Um, you, you can use it for that. And you can also use those for little molds as well. So like if you're plating dinner for six people and you want to mold the basmati rice that you're putting on the plate, you can use one of those bigger cutters or one of those medium-sized cutters and use it as a little mold and it'll hold that together and it, it'll just look nicer. Or if you, like we do salmon crudo and we use the square cutter to shape that salmon as, it, as we slice it from the fish um, so it has a perfect square on the plate. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things you can do with little cutters. And like I said, I love fluted ones. We made a canapé last night with a cucumber and um, my sous chef was asking me about, you know, should I peel this? I'm like, yeah, you definitely need to peel it. We could either, either use a peeler and actually peel it all the way because you really don't want to eat the outside of a cucumber. Um, 
or you can use what's called a channel knife, which digs a little channel down the length of the cucumber. And then when you slice it, it also will do a fluted edge, or you can cut them and use the proper size cutter and you can have a cut out a fluted edge. And we put a little goat cheese mousse on top and a little roasted tomato on top. And man, that was a fun little hors d'oeuvre last night. So cutters are great to have. Pastry brushes. I never buy a plastic bristle pastry brush. I always buy boar's hair pastry brushes. Um, and this is a piece of equipment you really need to take care of. You may never put that thing in a dishwasher. It's glued together. The handle and the and the boar hair bristles, you, you will ruin it by putting it in a dishwasher. So you just wash it in your sink with hot water and a little bit of gentle soap and then rinse it obviously extremely well. And then sort of pat it dry with a paper towel and let it out to air until it's absolutely dry. Do not put it away. Um, so good pastry brushes. Um, I, I love microplanes. So that's number three on my top. You know, if I, I love microplanes, you can um, beautifully, like almost like angel dust, great Reggiano uh, with a microplane. You can use it to do zests, which is really what it's for of lemon, lime, or orange um, or grapefruit, any citrus fruit. And uh, there's just a lot of things you can do with a microplane. You can also buy graters now, box graters that sit on your counter um, and they'll have a microplane edge on it as well as other, uh, you know, bigger grating sizes. Those are great because you kind of hit a lot of things with one piece of equipment. I've seen people use those, uh, the, the microplane box graters for uh, like garlic and ginger and- Sure, why not? And. Uh, you know, horseradish and things like that. So sure, yeah. When uh, my brother-in-law makes, um, it's a it's a, a ground meat patty that he makes. He grates onion for it, and it's very important that that onion is grated, not chopped. It it, it I I never grate onions at work, but it's interesting that this what this does to the onion. It actually sort of juices it, and it really imparts a lot of onion flavor into the ground meat, and the texture is just super important to that. Um, and uh, so yeah, you can use a box grater to do something like that as well. And then of course you need a good peeler. And there are a couple of different styles out. I like two different styles. I like the old fashioned kind, you know, just the regular metal peeler. Um, I prefer that for uh, carrots and things like that, um, if I'm just peeling them. And then the sort of French peeler where the, the, the peeler is at the top, it's sort of like a box shaped top and then there's a handle. And you actually, instead of going across with that, you go up and down with that. So they are for two different purposes. They're both pretty inexpensive. So it's nice to have both kinds. And then I'm a spoon person. I like my spoons. Oh my gosh! Yeah, by like, by, by, by you're a spoon person. You mean, what, so uh, what kinds of spoons okay, so do you like in the kitchen? There is a company that we buy from. It's called JB Prince, and they've been open for a long time. They're out of New York, and um, Gray Kuntz was a very great chef, a French chef that worked and had restaurant in uh, the Time Warner Building in, in in New York. Unfortunately, he has passed away. Um, but they he came up with a spoon that they produced for him that we have been using for years and years and years, and it's the Gray. Kuntz spoon and I and they have special series with those now so like I've gotten a Damascus uh, Damascus one made out of Damascus metal which is absolutely gorgeous I have a copper one um, but they make stainless steel and they make them in a small size and a slightly larger size they also make a one with little circle holes in it those t those are some of the best tools to work with period um, if you're making a soup or you're making a sauce or you're tossing a tomato relish in a bowl. I, I like those very much. I will buy old silver patterns. Um, sometimes you can find them at auctions where you can get the perfect shape spoon for a quenelle. 
And um, so we collect those as well. Well, the, 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 the rounder, the not so flat. Right, right. That, that's, that, that's really kind of what you, it seems like that's what you always chase, right? It, exactly. It, it's the, the old, much rounder, deeper base mm -hmm. um, spoon, whether it's for canals or to sauce, you know, to, to, to sauce plates and that sort of thing. Right. It's funny, you're talking about spoons, making me think about all the times over the years I've corrected people on how they hold a spoon, you know, that mm. people will just grab it. <laughs> and if you're actually going to do anything with it, you need to hold it almost like a pen, right? I mean, it's yeah. not something that you can just grab and sort of shovel. It's not a shovel, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Right. Well, and then the other thing is, is it's nice to have maybe two wooden spoons. Again, they're not expensive. Um, well, they can be if you get something exotic, but a regular old wooden spoon, those are hard to clean, hard to deal with. I mean, if you don't use it that often, I really like a wooden spoon to make risotto. Um, it's just part of that wonderful part of the process to me. Making risotto is, is like a labor of love. And, you know, it's just so nice to have that wooden spoon stirring everything versus hearing the metal hit the pan every couple of minutes. And um, wooden spoons are just great for risotto, um, but you have to handle them. You know, you, you need to wash it well. Again, if it's starting to deteriorate, just throw the thing away. It's not worth it to have bacteria build up in there. Um, but wash it with soap and water, hot water. Again, make sure the enemy of bacteria is having something be moist. That's where bacteria is going to grow. And uh, temperature, of course, as well is an enemy of bacteria, but um, or builds bacteria. So with something like that, anytime you're using something wooden, like we were talking about the cutting boards earlier, just make sure it's dried out before you store it. Because if you lock it in someplace, it's, it's going to sit too long with moisture. That's another thing. If you do buy going back to the knives, if you do buy a carbon steel knife, as you use it, you need to clean it and wipe it down and make sure it's dry. Uh, you know, once you're, and never store, never put a knife in a dishwasher ever. Um, and um, yeah, but with a carbon steel knife, you really need to take good care of it and be careful with acid. Um, I don't think you can underrate uh, spatulas, especially the high temp spatulas. Mm -hmm. uh, there are things you have to have around. And if, if it's some decorative color, that's great. That's cute. It's kind of useless. The ones that have the red tops on them, um, those are the ones that are that are good at high temp. Which means you can you can stir a hot soup with a spatula, which you could never do with a regular spatula. It would melt in the pan. So that's that, that's why they're high temp spatulas, and you can use it with hot product. I still would never leave one of those in a pot. You should never leave any tool no. in a pot. You should always use the tool, remove it, sit it on a rest or something or on a plate or whatever, but never leave your tool in something hot as it's cooking. No, that's the, the other thing, uh, high temp like that. It's, you also can get all of the soup out of a pot or all the sauce out of a pot. You know, that's, right. You're not wasting anything. You're actually utilizing, trying to utilize all the food product. Mm -hmm. Sure. But I also found it's a stainless steel handle and a high temp spoon. Uh, that I it, that I use much more frequently now instead of the wooden spoons. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, no, that's I, I. So if you don't have one of those guys, and I, you've got like every kitchen tool in the world, but if you don't have one of those guys, I bet you like. I don't. I don't have one of those. The other thing you talk about spatulas. 
A fish, if you cook fish at home, you need a fish spatula. I think that's a tool oh, yeah. you really have to have. Have to have. And that's a slotted, uh, not too long, I don't know how, just ask for a fish spatula or Google a, it, it or whatever. It but It looks like a cross between a spatula and a grill grate. <laughs> yeah, because it has, exactly, it has long holes in it and it's perfect for fish. And you can hold the fish down to sear the skin better with it as well as well as removing. Or like if you're making crab cakes, which if you're not putting much breadcrumb in, they can easily fall apart, um, you know, or a scallop. You know, you can they, they actually have a sharp edge at the end. So it helps you get under something. If it is sticking a tiny bit to a pan, it will help solve that problem for you, too, as well as do its job, which is to remove things. I think also you need to have like. You, you need good t uh, tongs. I, I, this is one of my frustrations. I'll never forget yeah. the first time I did um, no. <laughs> a national TV show. Yeah, and I, 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 they had tongs there. It never occurred to me to bring my own tongs from the restaurant when I was going up to New York. And they had these locking tongs, and I, 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 I don't know who invented those. Um, or I know the reason why. I think I know the reason why. It's because you can put them in your drawer and they stay tiny. You know, they stay closed rather than flinging open. Well. Sorry, find some place to put the thing because those locking tongs are a nightmare. Um, they lock on you. Like, I, I'll, I'll be using the thing on a national TV show and I can't open the tongs. So I don't, there's no reason for it. Just get a very good heavy duty pair of, of tongs like restaurant people use. And then the other tongs are the new ones that have been around for like, I don't know, maybe 15 years or so are the Asian tongs that are um, fine for fine work. And, uh, well, everybody's producing them now, but that's where they originated in the West. And they're really tiny and they can be long. Like you were talking to one of my new cooks about having the really long, uh, sets of these tongs, these, this new kind, um, for twisting pasta or working with pasta in the pot, which, oh my gosh, that's an amazing <laughs> change to have those. Because I remember when I worked in an Italian restaurant in the nineties, we used to use our regular tongs. And I mean, it's so much easier to do these long, use these long tongs. Uh, so the, the new, uh, tongs like that come in all different shapes. It's fun to get, you know, maybe they're like, seven dollars ten dollars um the the longer ones are more expensive but because it's more metal but those those are fun i mean i would totally get like a couple of different sets of those for my my home and they come in all different colors you know i have copper ones i have blue ones because blue is my favorite color you know so it's they're just fun to have and the, you, you can do a lot with it and it really kind of helps you helps you elevate your own plating style at home because you can do things like put little microgreens and place them or flowers and place them or place the peas on the plate. You can't do that with a regular set of our professional kitchen tongs because they're just too big. They're too awkward for some for fine work. What other tools do you like, Tony? I think I think uh, Silpat uh, oh, cannot be overrated. Great for home. You know, Silpat is a is a little nonstick. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, goes on a sheet pan or a cookie sheet or something like that. Most home ovens will use the commercials, you know, half size sheet pans, no problem. And that's very useful size for at home. Yeah. And uh, that, that those, those are super useful um, and very cleanable and, and like easy dishwasher, you know, and, and you have them forever, basically. Right. At home, um, for sure. Those are really useful. And you know how much I like mortar and pestle and mocajetes. Yeah, that's great to so talk about. For, for, for grinding things. So mm -hmm. 
We're going to have to uh, get into mocajetes when we do our guacamole program. Ooh, okay. Because we're because uh-huh. we're going to be out because we're going to be <laughs> out of time. Okay. And clearly, we have to have a an avocado program since that's the the food explosion of the last five years for some unbelievable reason, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to email correspond with us, uh, reach us at formerwolf at wypr.org to listen to this program or download the podcast of any of our other programs. Go to the WYPR website, WYPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and there's a whole menu of goodies there for you. To follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me as Cindy Wolf or Chef Wolf on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And we thank you for listening. Happy Sunday.